back on? Great. Good morning. My name is Peter. You might be wondering, who is this kid up here? Uh, I look 19, but I am 30. Uh, I do get that often. I do look really young. I'm still young. I mean, 30 is still significantly younger than most of you, I would say. Uh, I am a pastor, a member of Bethany Baptist Church. I send you greetings from Bethany Baptist Church. Um, I have three kids, married, been a church member for about three years at Bethany, been a pastor for about two years. I just uh, became a staff pastor there. I'm an assistant pastor starting from April of 2023. I have three kids, five-year-old, four-year-old, two-year-old, Ezra, Isaiah, Leah. I didn't bring them here because my wife said no, um, because they would be chaotic sitting here. And my wife said, I'll just go to uh, Bethany Baptist Church gathering. So, And my actually, my two oldest kids go to uh, school here. I think it's called King's Kids, yeah. There you go. So uh, I've been here about a couple times. Dear friend of Jeff, uh, thankful that I got invited here. Yeah, that's a little bit about me. Uh, Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to be covering verses 7 through 18. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven through eighteen. If this is your first time opening the Bible, Second um, Corinthians is in the latter half of the book that you might be holding or your cell phones. When I say chapter, those are big numbers. Verses are small numbers. So when I say chapter four, verse seven, you're looking for big number four, small number seven. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven through eighteen. Because man must not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the word of God. Here. These words that are the most important words in our lives. God's words. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe. And so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is the word of the Lord. May the words of Christ dwell richly within you. Let's pray. Abba, Father, we tremble at your word. 
We want to not only be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. We want to hear and worship you, even as we hear from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7-18. through 18. Father, convict us of our sins. Help us to look forward to the day when your Son returns to wipe away every tear of ours, to amend every brokenheartedness within this room. Father, protect these saints from the evil one. Grant them grace to be edified today so that they may not give up. We don't want to give up. We want to carry on with the faith that you have granted us. May the love that we have for you and your people increase in all knowledge and discernment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you have um, a lot of Asian friends, but growing up, I had MIT, Yale, and Harvard flags up on my dining wall. They're not put by me, they're put by, by my parents. And with the help of my parents, I visited all those schools. But out of the three of those Ivy League schools, when I visited Yale, I thought, this is the school that I want to go. The students look so happy. The buildings are archaic. I love the architecture there. I even like the city there. And I said, okay, I'm going to study hard. I'm going to go over there. That was my seventh grade year. I studied hard. And I graduated from Cal Baptist University. I wanted to go to that school, but I gave up midway. Why? Because I sleep, I loved sleeping more than studying. (laughs) Thanks for your honesty, brother. But the reason why I really gave up was because the reward of going to that school wasn't as great as the payment that I needed to give for five or six years. I wasn't meant for that school. I mean, praise God. I learned a lot from um, CBU. I love that school. And I just gave up midway because the payment was too great. Isn't that the reason why we give up most often, though? We think about the reward... And we give up midway because the payment is too great. Don't raise your hand. This is a hypothetical question. How many of you guys have signed up for gym this past year? You wake up and you said, okay, January 1st, I really want to become fit. I want to eat healthy. You have resolutions. How many of you guys have kept the resolutions? How many of you guys have canceled your gym membership? I just didn't sign up because I knew that I'd give up. We give up because the payment is too great. I signed up for um, jiu-jitsu about four weeks ago, and I've been sparring with bigger guys. I'm about 145 pounds. I uh, spar with about 200-pound guys, and I give up so quickly. I tap out. As soon as they grab me, I just tap out. I say, I don't want to spar with you. You're in a different class. But what about the Christian life? Do you sometimes feel like tapping out? Do you feel like sometimes you throw your hands up in the air and say, I just give up. Faith is hard. Clinging to Christ is hard. So how can we make sure that we don't give up? Because I don't want you to give up. You don't want to give up, but you don't know what might happen to you tomorrow. You might tap out. So we need encouragement from God's word so that we don't give up. We don't want to give up in proclaiming Christ and living this Christian life. We don't want to give up halfway. The passage that we read today comes from the second letter, in, second letter to the church in Corinth from Apostle Paul. And as he is writing 
in his situation, his life is filled with despair. Just filled with despair. If you have your Bibles in 2 Corinthians, we read chapter 4. Flip a few pages uh, to the left and go to chapter 1. Let's read his situation. Where is he at? How is he feeling even as he's writing this letter? Chapter 1, verse 8 through 9. I'll read for us. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experience in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Let me stop there. So how is Paul describing himself here? He even despaired of life itself. He was going through trials after trials, not just one seasonal trial, but ongoing. Turn to chapter 11 in the same book. So turn a few pages to the right. Chapter 11, verse 24. The season that he's in is not just merely one season of discouragement, trials, and afflictions. It's been ongoing. Chapter 11, verse 24. Apostle Paul says, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, There is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? Let's stop there. So how is the life of of Apostle Paul? Is it easy? No. It's filled with grief. It's filled with trials temptations to give up. If you were in the same situation that Apostle Paul was in, how would you feel? Would you feel like walking faithfully until the end? Or would you want to throw your hands up in the air and say, I just give up, Lord. How many times do I have to go through this over and over again? But let's look down to the passage that we're camping in today, chapter 4. Chapter 4 Verse 15. Look down with me. Chapter 4, verse 16. He writes, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. What is his response to trials? He says, So we do not give up. In another translation in CSB, it's not translated as so, but it's translated as therefore. He says, Therefore we do not give up. That's the central statement of our passage today. Yes, There are those who give up midway because of waves and adversities, but Paul is not one of them. He says, we do not give up. And I want you, saints of Generations Church, to say the exact same thing as what Paul says. So, Joe, I do not give up. Dylan, I do not give up. Pastor Imani, I do not give up. There are toils 
adversities and trials, but I will not give up. I told you what my age is. I'm 30. But as I'm growing older and older, and I'm still very young, but I look at people with, um, excuse my language, white hair, and my appreciation for them has tremendously grown. I've been married for nine years. When I look at couples um, who are significantly older than me, still holding hands, still faithfully walking in the Lord, faithfully being married, I praise God for them. You know why? Because even as I'm aging day by day, there are trials. Just by the fact that God has sustained them and they're still repenting and trusting in the Lord, I praise God for you, saints. Thank you. Older saints who are here, you know who you are. Thank you for being faithful. I praise God for your faith. You are a testament to what Paul is saying here. Therefore, we do not give up. Now, in the text today, look down to verse 16 again. What's the very first word that Paul uses in verse 16? What is it? So, and I told you in CSB, it's translated as therefore, yes. Now, this is, I guess, um, a little teaching on English. When you read the word therefore or so, it means that there's something that's connecting before that sentence. For example, I would say, I need to pee. I don't actually need to pee right now, praise God, but... Uh, If I were to say, I need to pee, therefore, I went to the restroom, there are two sentences here. I need to pee, therefore, I went to the restroom. Why did I go to the restroom? Because I had to go pee. Now, why am I telling you this? Verse 16, therefore, we do not give up. Why? Paul, why don't you give up? Isn't life hard? Isn't following Christ hard? You said you had 40 lashes, less one. Three times shipwrecked. Your own people persecuting you. But you said, we do not give up. Why? Verses 7 through 15 is the reason why. Because of the word, therefore. Or the, or the word, so. To help you become better Bible readers, whenever you read your Bible and you find any conjunction, that's therefore, so, because, so that, for, you want to pay close attention to those words because it'll help you to understand the logic of the text. So in verse 16, when it says, therefore, we do not give up, when you read the word therefore or so, ding, 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 you say, okay, There's something that's proceeding before verse 16 that's helping me to understand verse 16. In what way? Verses 7 through uh, 15 are the reasons why Paul doesn't give up. Look down to verse 17. What's the very first word in verse 17? What is it? For. And another way of saying for is because. Right? I went to the restroom For, I had to pee, because I had to pee. In the same way, in verse 17, it's giving you a reason why Paul doesn't give up. If you're taking notes, I have one main goal. The main goal is persevere in proclaiming Christ. Persevere in proclaiming Christ. There are three reasons. Reason number one. Because you hold the treasure in clay jars. That's reason number one. And I'll explain what that means, holding treasure in clay jars. Second reason why you should persevere and not give up, because your affliction is different. Third and last reason is because you, as Christian, focus on the things that are unseen. So three reasons why you should persevere. One, because you hold treasure 
and jars of clay. Second, because your afflictions are different. Third, because you focus on the things that are unseen. Let's go to the first reason. Because you hold the treasure in clay jars. Look down with me to verse 7. It says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show you, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. What does that mean? What? Clay jars and treasure? I'll just give you the answer. Treasure is the gospel. Clay jars is you. So when it says, now we hold this treasure in jars of clay, it's saying you, who's frail, weak, you are holding this treasure. That is the gospel. The reason why clay jars is ourselves is because we are weak, insignificant, replaceable, and common. Yes, we are made in the image of God. Yes, um, you might bench 200. I don't know. Yes, you might have good immune system, but you are going to die. There are two things that you can't avoid in this world, taxes and death. You can't run away from them. I mean, you can try, but... Meaning, saints, you can look around and you can say, you are going to die one day. And you can tell yourself, you are also, I am also going to meet my maker in the judgment day. But you who's going to die, you carry something that's valuable. And that is the gospel. We carry the gospel in ourselves, in the body that is decaying and given temporary health, you are given the gospel. You are holding the treasure. And by you holding that treasure, God's power is displayed. Do you remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, what Apostle Paul says? He says, I boast in my weakness. How many, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you boast in your weakness? How many of your non-Christian friends boast in what they don't have? Boast in the flaws that they have? Boast in the trials that they're going through? Almost no one. Isn't it more culturally accepted? that you boast in your strengths? For example, no one will boast that you tap out early in, in jiu-jitsu. Who does that? No one will boast that they have flaws that other people don't have. But Christians, you boast in your weakness. Why? Because God's power is perfected in your weakness. Even as you boast in your weakness, you are saying, yes, my weaknesses don't define me. Actually, my weaknesses point to the power of God. So saints, saints of Generations Church, do you share your weaknesses? Yes, praise God that you are a professing Christian. Praise God that God has saved you. I just heard a testimony from Stephanie, who was uh, playing the keys here. I praise God for how the Lord has saved you in Vegas. And the saints here, I praise God for how the Lord has saved you. You have a special story. And saints, I want you to start sharing your trials, burdens, afflictions. The culture that we're living in right now makes us to perform. That is, I want to have the best foot forward. 
but you don't belong to a community of performance. You belong to a community of grace. So did you have a tough week? Did you fall into sin? Share. Share with others. If someone says, hey, how was your week? Don't just say, oh, it was good. But in the back of your mind, you know exactly what happened this past week. Share with others the burdens that you feel and have. And give that burden not only to the Lord, but to your fellow church family. That's countercultural. I know that makes you feel uncomfortable. But Christianity is not about comfort. Christianity is the fact that God condescended. We are never good enough. You will never be good enough. That's why someone who is good enough died for us. So boast. Boast in your weakness. Yes, you hold treasure in clay jars. You are frail. Accept it. Don't try to be strong. Don't try to put up a face. Don't try to put up a front. Are you embarrassed? Enjoy the embarrassment. Say it out loud. Laugh at yourself. Thanks, sister. So that Christ's power may be perfected. Don't hide. Reveal. Look down with me to verse 8. Verse 8 says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Let me stop there. Christians are not those who live in this world as if brokenness doesn't exist. Brokenness does exist. We, out of all people, should recognize that and say that out loud. Don't raise your hand. How many of you have awkward gatherings with family members during Christmas, Thanksgiving, any holiday? That's a sign of brokenness. Think about your family members, think about yourselves, think about even the statistics of those, especially women, who have even sexual trauma. One out of four women have a sexual trauma growing up. That's brokenness. That ought not to be. But Christians recognize that. We don't run away from that. Why? Because we believe in Genesis 3. Sin has infiltrated the world. Sin is real. My sin is real. Your sin is real. Satan is real. So yes, we live in this broken world and we don't run away from it. We face it. We recognize it. What about your decaying and um, You're dying of the physical bodies. There will come an age where you are no longer attending more weddings than you are attending more funerals. So, Christians, don't expect an easy life. All those who desire to live a godly life will be? Yes persecuted. It's not abnormal for your life to be hard. If you're telling your friends, hey, become a Christian because your life will be easier, don't lie. The Bible is actually contrary. Those of you who want to follow Christ and cling to Christ, you will be persecuted. You are not above your master. If the master unjustly died on the cross, how will they treat you? 
who's following Christ. So as you're following Christ, don't say, how come my life is like this? How come more chaos? How come more trials and afflictions? Well, we live in this broken world, and those who want to live a godly life will be persecuted. There's so many passages in the Bible that talks about suffering. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Endure suffering as discipline from the Lord. For suffering or discipline is something that the Lord has designed for you because you are sons and daughters. If there is no suffering in your life, there are two options. One, your radar might be off, meaning there are suffering in your life, but you're just not recognizing it. Or second, you might not be a Christian. I want that to sink in for you guys. I don't want you to leave this place thinking, maybe I'm not a Christian. That's not my goal. But I I do want you to know that if you think your life is turning out exactly the way that you want it to turn out, I'm not so sure if that's good. Another note. Whenever you face trials... It's okay for you to pray, Lord, lift these trials and burdens from me. But don't let that be the only prayer. James 1 says, Consider it a pure joy whenever you face various types of trials. Not if, but when. So, 49 saints of Generation Church. The question is not if, it's when. When you face various types of trials... Consider it a pure joy. Don't just say, God, help me to feel better. Help me to recover from this sickness. Uh, There's nothing wrong with saying that. But don't let that end there. Ask the Lord to trust in Him, to rejoice in the suffering, because God ordains all things to come to pass, and whatever God ordains is good for you. What? What? Whatever God ordains is good for me? How? I've been sinned against. Peter, you don't know my life. How can a good God ordain such suffering, trials, afflictions? I haven't, I don't deserve this type of suffering and and trials. But saints, is there someone who was unjustly accused? Is there someone who died on the cross for our sins? Yes. Did God ordain that? Yes. God ordained even the death of his son. Was Jesus sinned against? Yes. Did God ordain that? Yes. But is God the author of sin? No. But God does ordain all things. So, trust the Lord in your afflictions. Share your trials. Don't just carry the burden by yourself. Share the burden. Share your life and share Jesus with others. And don't expect an easy life. Saints, do you feel weak today? Good. That means you're not fooled by this world. If you think that you are strong, you are fooled. Deceived and maybe even led astray. Apostle Paul tells us who we are. Clay jars. Frail. Weak. Common. Accept it. Recognize it. Do you remember in the book of Acts? Apostle Peter, who denied Jesus three times, who constantly failed the Lord Jesus, he changes. How does he change? When the Holy Spirit fills him, people are amazed by Peter and the other apostles. They're amazed by the things that were coming out of their mouths, though they were unlearned men. Why? Because they knew that they had been with Jesus. 
frail, weak, common, but they are with Jesus. That's the same for you. Same for me. So yes, boast in your weakness. Yes, share your burdens. Yes, boast in your flaws. And say, yes, but Christ's power is made perfected in my weakness. One of the applications of that is by sharing. Sharing your burdens with other church family. Look down with me to verse 10. Verse 10. Sometimes carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Saints, the Bible says that we will sometimes carry the death of Jesus. Is that what it says? What does it say? Always. We're not sometimes carrying the death of Jesus. We're always carrying the death of Jesus. When we are out of trouble, out of the storm, out of the woods, we're still carrying the death of Jesus. We always carry the death of Jesus. What does it mean for us to carry the death of Jesus? Carrying the death of Jesus is being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Namely, suffering in the name of and for the sake of Christ. I have three young kids, as I told you. Five-year-old, four-year-old, and two-year-old. Ezra, Isaiah, Leah. Lord willing, I'll have more. I'm not sure. But my five-year-old and four-year-old, they constantly bicker. All the time. I am sick and tired of them. (laughs) I came out of my home early so that I wouldn't give myself into sinful anger. (laughs) Because I know that I'm preaching today. All jokes aside, even as I suffer those mundane things, such as enduring with my kids who are bickering, stooping down on their level, trying to teach them what sin is, and leading them to repent, I'm still carrying the death of Jesus. Carrying the death of Jesus doesn't mean you do something that's radical. It means living your life faithfully every day. You getting up in the morning. You getting up and saying, okay, I'm going to the gathering. It's small things, not big things. Anybody can say, I'm going to die for the Lord Jesus. But not a lot of you may say, I'm going to constantly walk by faith and not by sight. The mundane things. The small things. But saints, Christians are those who repent and trust in Christ constantly. It's not the big leap that we need to do. It's the small leaps of faith constantly. One step at a time. I don't know what that means for you. But it does mean God is commanding you to walk by faith today. The next step. You don't need to die for the Lord. I mean, the Lord calls us to die for the Lord. Yes. But realistically, every day living here is to live by faith. Faithfully. So did you get up in the morning to come to the gathering? Praise God. Keep doing that. Did you share your burdens with other church members? It came out awkward, but you still did it? Praise God. Keep doing that. Because these small steps that you take that becomes tens of thousands mark your life. That's what Christians do. What is the purpose of all of this? Carrying the death of Jesus. Verse 10 says, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. Saints, do you know that your trials, sufferings, afflictions, being given over to death for the sake of Jesus is others-focused? 
you might be a bit confused because whenever we face trials, we become inward focused. We're thinking, man, this trial is so hard. My singleness, my infertility, my lack of kids or having kids, my plan that didn't pan out the way that I wanted it to pan out, my unmet expectations, these all naturally lead us to become inward because we're fighting our battle within, inside our mind. But God's word says, you are given over to death so that the life of Jesus may be displayed. And the word displayed there is outward focused. How many of you guys are encouraged by others' discouragement? When someone shares something that's discouraging them, you are secretly encouraged. Why? Because you know that you're not alone in your discouragement. Because you know that you're not alone in going through these trials. So even as you share your trials, remember that your trials are outward, outward focused. It encourages others. Look down with me to verse um, 6 and 7 in chapter 1. Verse 6 and 7 in chapter 1. Apostle Paul says this. If we are afflicted, it is for whose comfort? Your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for whose comfort? Your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Let's stop there. Apostle Paul is validating exactly what I just told you guys. If I suffer, I suffer for you. When I am comforted by the Lord, it is for you. So have in mind, don't just bend inward when you suffer various types of trials. Share it and know that God uses those trials and sufferings to encourage others. 49 saints of Generations Church, I implore you, build spiritual muscles and eyes to recognize that your endurance and perseverance in your trials are for others. They are outward focused. Are you suffering trials? Share it. Don't just keep it in and rob others of their encouragement and their comfort. Is it weird for you to weep on the shoulders of others? Maybe. But do it. Weep. Let your tears fall. You might be thinking, I'm men. I am a man. I don't cry. Yes, you do. Cry. Cry publicly. Lament. Weep. Because that's displaying your weakness. Real men know when it is time to cry. And they do cry. And they lament. Because we live in this broken world. So weep on the shoulders of others both men and women in the church. The voices that are nagging at you, you're a failure. You'll never make it. You are a fake. I've struggled with that often. A lot of our struggles are, are actually internal within our minds. There's voices within our minds that accuses you. Have you thought about speaking to others about that? Letting others know? Hey, I, I've been feeling really discouraged because I feel like I'm a failure. I, I really didn't want to get up today in the morning to come to the gathering. I didn't want to be asked these questions. I didn't even want to tell you, but I am telling you in obedience to the Lord. I want to shine light on my felt temptations. I need you to speak the truth in love to me. That's giving other saints opportunities to help you not to fall into the lie. Do you remember Adam and Eve? 
Satan is so cunning. Satan twists God's word. And we, the foolish ones, we tend to believe them. That's why we walk in community. So give others the chance to speak God's word to you. Let them know exactly how you feel. And even as you speak out loud, you're going to think, oh man, what I'm saying is stupid. It is stupid. But you need to say it out loud to recognize that it is stupid. And let others tell you, not that you're stupid, to tell you what the truth is. How much better would it have been if Adam actually spoke God's word to Eve? We would not be here. So yes, you are your brother's keeper. Speak God's word to other members. And for those of you, that's all of us, who's struggling with these internal voices, say it out loud. Speak it. Are you embarrassed? Boast in your embarrassment. Speak out loud and let others have the opportunity to speak God's word to you. Generations Church, walk together. Church is not something that you simply come to and you walk out and that's it. It's actually relationships. Isn't that what church is? Invite others to your home. Invite others to your chaos. Invite yourself into their chaos. We're not community of performance, but of grace. So yes, walk together in community. Don't merely come to attend and leave. Walk together. You need others, and others need you. Look down with me to verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak. Now, in my Bible, it's not emboldened, but the words that says, I believed and so I spoke is in quotation. Is it in quotation for you as well? That's coming from Psalm 116, verse 10. Psalm 116, verse 10, by the way, um, one of tips for you as you're reading the Bible, whenever you see uh, references, like New Testament referencing the Old Testament, go back to the Old Testament and read it. Because it'll help you to understand the context so that you can have a better light and understanding of the text that you're reading right now. So Psalm 116, the context is, the psalmist says that the snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. So the psalmist in Psalm 116 is going through almost the same trial as Apostle Paul. Trials after trials, um, afflictions after afflictions. But they recognize their pain and turn to the Lord. They turn to the Lord because they know that they will be strengthened even as they turn to the Lord. Look down with me to verse 14 and 15. It says, knowing that we, he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. I want you to know, saints, that your faith is strengthened in the midst of intensifying sufferings even to the point of death, because of two reasons. First reason is resurrection. It says, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus. So when you are in the thick of trials, where are your eyes? Are you escaping? Are you looking only at yourself? Or are you pointing and looking to the sky and saying the Lord will return. Resurrection is coming. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about um, Christians and the gospel, especially talking about the resurrection. Saints, if resurrection is not real, 
our faith is in vain. But because resurrection is real, Christ Jesus rose from the dead, he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he promised to return, and God cannot lie. And because God is coming back, God the Son is coming back to judge this world, our hope is not in vain. So you, who's suffering, an application for you might be, look up into the sky. Envision the Lord coming back. Look and say, Lord, are you coming back right now? You might look uh, crazy. But, but I do that sometimes. I look up at the sky, especially night sky, as I'm just walking. And I think the Lord might be coming back right now. But as I look up in the sky, my problems become so small. We sang the song, God of Wonders, Beyond Our Galaxy. He names all the stars, but that God gives Jesus, and that Jesus is coming back. Saints, <laughs> this is something that I learned recently. <clears throat> a, I think she's in her 70s. A saint within my church told me, hey, if you want to check up on me, ask me how I slept. And I was like, what? Why would I ask you how you slept? It's because me being a 30-year-old, I sleep fine. But older saints might get up constantly because of different types of pains. Saints, you are going to face pain either today, tomorrow, or the coming future. But when the pain comes, look to the sky and think about the resurrection where you will receive glorified, resurrected, immortal, incorruptible bodies resurrection is real. You will be ruling and reigning with Christ as co-heirs with Christ in the new heavens and the new earth. So when you're in the thick of trials, think about resurrection. When you're in the thick of trials and you can't think about resurrection, tell other people to tell you about the resurrection. Tell them to read 1 Corinthians 15 to you. Tell them to read Revelation 21 to you. Tell them to read Revelation 13 to you. And think about the resurrection that is coming. Saints of Generations Church, are your eyes merely fixed on here and now? Or are your eyes fixed on the world to come? The age to come. Because of this resurrection, we are perplexed but not crushed. We are sorrowful, but always rejoicing. This is something that I learned this year, or at least put it into words. As Christians, sorrow and joy are not exclusive. They actually coincide together. That's what the Bible says. You are sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. It goes together. Happiness and sadness, crying and laughing, yes, together. That is the Christian life, that we are struck down but not destroyed. Look down with me to verse 15. Is the negative sign um, giving me, like, I'm over 15 minutes? I'll try to um, end quickly here. <laughs> <clears throat> Man, sorry. I preach for about sixty minutes at my church. Um, I'll try to quick, quickly <laughs> go through it. Look down with me to verse fifteen. It says, "For because it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God." In the CSB, which is a translation that I typically use, Christian Standard Bible, not much different from you, it's translated as, indeed, everything is for your benefit, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving. But do you know how absurd that sentence is? Everything is for your benefit. Think about anything. Anything. 
singleness for your benefit. Infertility for your benefit. Your childhood experiences that's painful for your benefit. Unwashed dishes for your benefit. Neckties for your benefit. Think about anything serious to whatever you hate that's preferential. God says, everything is for your benefit. Do you believe that? Does it seem like it? It sure doesn't. But God's word is true. We can't merely trust in our feelings, right? We need to speak God's word into our feelings. Because if we were to live by our feelings, oh man, chaos. I mean, I look at my kids and they live by their feelings constantly without parental guide, they will, they will kill themselves. Yes, everything is for your benefit. Even the most heinous injustice done towards someone else, namely Jesus. Jesus, the Messiah who came, he came to die. That's for your benefit. Yes, so everything, if you're in Christ, everything is for your benefit. God is nothing but good to you. God help, can't help but to be good to you if you're in Christ. But if you're not a Christian, everything is not for your benefit. Friends, if you're not a Christian, coming to this gathering, maybe you're a guest, maybe you've come here for the very first time, thanks for coming to the gatherings, gathering of the saints of Generations Church. I want you to know, and I want, you to, I want to tell you the hard truth. God is real. Everything is not for your benefit. Actually, God is angry with you. Actually, you can never be good enough for God. You might say, oh, I can just act like the Christians here. The goody two-shoes. No. Christians are those who recognize that they can never be good enough. So we're not here putting up a front. We're here because we've been saved by grace. So if you're a friend joining us today, or you, you've been joining this gathering, and you're not a Christian, forget about everything that I said, but listen closely to what I'm about to tell you, because this is the greatest news ever for you. Because everything can be for your benefit. Right now it is not, but it can be. How so? Well, God made you. He made me. But we all sinned against the Lord. Do you teach your children to lie? No, but they pick up lying. Were you taught to do bad things? No. Why? Because we've inherited a nature that's corrupt and sinful. Friend, if you're not a Christian and you're saying, but the world is okay. I mean, yes, there are bad people, but I'm not bad. But God's word says you are a sinner and you are not good enough. You can never achieve the righteousness that God commands you to achieve. That's why God sent Jesus. Jesus came 2,000 years ago. He is the only one who lived a sinless life. Yet he hung on the cross. Everyone who hangs on the cross is cursed. He was cursed on the cross so that when you believe in Jesus, when you treasure Jesus, God says, your sins forgiven. Yes, you are not good enough and you will never be good enough, but someone who is good enough died and you are forgiven. So friend, if you're not a Christian today joining us, I implore you, to repent, turn to treasure and turn to trust in Christ. Not your own perceived righteousness, but Christ's righteousness. He's the only one who's good enough. So turn to him and trust in him today so that you can be forgiven. If you have any questions about this gospel message, 
talk with uh, Pastor Imari or talk with any of the members of 49 members of Generations Church. Or you can talk to me after the gathering. I'd love to tell you about the hope that I have in Christ. And you can also receive this message that is, everything is for your benefit once you become a Christian. I need to wrap up. Okay, let me just finish with verse 16 and 17 and 18. Let me just finish that part at least. I guess that'll be the entirety of it. Verse 16, do you remember the first word, so? In other translation, it was translated as therefore. So verse 7 through 15 are the reasons why Paul doesn't give up. Why? Because we hold treasures in clay jars. But now comes another reason, second reason. Verse 17, because this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. God, are you, are you serious? Are you seriously telling me that my afflictions right now is light and momentary? It surely doesn't feel light or momentary. There's a brother of ours within my church. He's a pastor. He bought a house right next to our church building two years ago. He moved from Corona. We we're in Bellflower, so he moved about an hour away. He moved two years ago. He still has not been able to move in because of city permits and because of the amount of money that it's taking. He has five kids. He's been hopping around from house to house within our church family and his family. How can I say that his affliction is light and momentary? But that's what the text says, doesn't it? It is light and momentary. In comparison to what? There is a comparison though, right? What is the comparison? The eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So your affliction right now, light, momentary. The glory that is to come, weighty and eternal. Think about that, saints. Put that into our perspective. That your affliction is light, momentary in comparison to the glory that is to be revealed, that is eternal. That's why Apostle Paul doesn't give up. So think about that and hold that tightly and cling on to that so that you also don't give up. Third and last reason is because you focus on the unseen. That's verse 18. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Christians are people who focus on the unseen, not the seen. We don't merely just look at the things that we can hold on to and see. We focus on the unseen. That's why Apostle Paul doesn't give up. And that's why you ought not to give up as well. So three reasons why you should persevere and not give up. First, because you hold the treasure in yourself that's weak, frail. So you're holding treasure in jars of clay. Second, because your affliction is different. It's light and momentary. And third, because you focus on the unseen. Saints, are you weary today? Are you feeling heavy laden? Are you suffering trials and affliction? Persevere. Walk in this community and persevere together because God's power is displayed in you in your weakness. Because you have a different understanding of afflictions and because your focus is not on the temporary things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. If you're not suffering today, this message is also for you because this is a preparation for you to walk in suffering because you are going to suffer. There's no doubt about it. Talk to the older saints. They'll be happy to tell you about 
the suffering that is to come. So prepare yourself by looking at God's word so that you don't give up and make a shipwreck of your faith. Let me close with a word of prayer. Father, we praise you because you are good to us in Christ. You are nothing but good to us in Christ. You can't help but to be good to us in Christ. God, we pray that you would encourage the saints here. That you would help them to walk by faith and not by sight. That you would grant them grace to share their burdens with other church family members so that they might encourage others by their discouragements, that they would give opportunities for others to speak the truth to them because we're all guarding each other. And help us to look forward to the day when Christ will return and wipe away every tear of ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.